and the truth of that song. It is by your finished work, your death, burial, and resurrection that we can be set free. Not just free from sin that would condemn us, unbelief that would condemn us to the realm of hell. Be set free, but to be set free in every day to where we can walk in newness of life. All because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. This morning we're faced with the reality of that as we come to your table, Lord. It's a time of remembrance. We remember our condition when being lost. We remember the great sacrifice of our Savior. We remember all that you've done for us to set us free. And so, Lord, I pray that as we come to the table, as the choir has sung, as we come to the table, may our minds and the very depths of our soul be in union as we celebrate, as we remember, as we proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. We thank you this morning for allowing us this privilege to gather here. It's a place of fellowship. John describes it that our fellowship might be full. And we trust this morning, O oh Lord God, that as people were coming and as they're seated here today, may you, O oh Lord, be our fullness, our all in all. Thank you for hearts that are unified in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this morning to be able to proclaim that. And would you receive the glory, Lord, because you alone are worthy. We pray for those, O oh Lord, who could not be with us today because of illness, because of Life circumstances, storms maybe have come on their horizon. I pray, O oh God, that you would comfort them if they're sick. Speak peace to them if they're in the midst of a storm. Strengthen them, Lord, when they feel weak. Guide them when they feel lost. Comfort them when they feel hurt. Bless them, O oh Lord God by allowing them to sense Your presence and give to them, Lord, a hope that goes beyond whatever this earth could offer. I thank You for Your Word. How powerful it is, how everlasting it is. I thank You for it. And as we look at a very familiar passage of Scripture, I pray that our senses won't be dulled by the familiarity, but our soul be strengthened by Your Spirit as You teach us today. And I thank You, Lord. Thank You for that Your Word is, is 
is foundational. It is our truth source. And I ask that you would bless your word. As you said in your word, you would bless your word. Bless it to our hearts and lives this day. And I'll be careful to praise you. Wonderfully thank you. And joyously worship you. Because you alone are worthy. And I'll praise you in your name. Amen. I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 23 to 28. I want to speak to you this morning on a word of explanation, a word of exaltation, a word of expectation, and a word of examination. Explanation, exaltation, expectation, and examination. There are many things in our lives that cause us to remember. We can look at pictures that hang on the walls or in albums, and we're instantly drawn to the event that those pictures were taken. Some of the leadership team was up at our house last night, and they saw my wedding picture, and they're laughing like Pup is right now. I was a lot different then. Probably only weighed about 150 pounds. Now that's just the weight of my right leg. (laughs) Not many people that can wear a brown tuxedo and hush puppies. That's what I wore. The highlight of that picture, though, was my bride of August the 3rd, 1974. You can bypass looking at me, but gaze at her, and she is just as beautiful to me as she was that day. Other things that cause us to remember, too, are smells. My wife can be making something in the kitchen and instantaneously I'm transported back when I was a teenager and being at my grandmother and grandfather's chicken farm and no, not the smell of the chicken. It was things that my grandmother made instantly being there. We have trophies that we hang on the wall and put on shelves that remind us of better hunting days or accomplishments and sporting events. Jewelry, necklaces, pins, all of those things have the one thing in common. They take us back to a place of remembrance. This morning we'll come to a table. And the one key event that Jesus spoke of in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, He says, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, 
proclaim, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. And as Jesus passed out the elements, He said, do this in remembrance of Me. What's interesting in that phrase, well, let me read the passage first for you, then we can make a few comments. In verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, He also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood and body of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Whenever a believer person, a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ comes to the table, the text tells us that we preach. That word there, when we proclaim the Lord's death till He comes, that word proclaim can also literally mean preach. Speak forth the truth. And so this morning, you're, those of you that have trusted Christ, these elements are available for you. You're about ready to preach a four-point sermon. I was always taught in college and seminary that a sermon only needs to have three points, a poem and a prayer, and you're good. But you're going to preach four points this morning. The first point is the word, if you will, a word of explanation. That we find in verse 23. The explanation is that the Apostle Paul received this information from the Lord himself. It would appear, according to the earlier chapters of 1 Corinthians, that the church at Corinth was getting off kilter. They weren't doing what initially the Apostle Paul instructed them to do. He had come back to this area. And, and so you have 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And, and in 1 Corinthians, he is trying to reset, if you will, the, the path or at least the race that they should be running. They were making a lot of mistakes. And in fact, the previous chapter speaks of individuals even coming and misusing the Lord's table for their own pleasure. And so as the Apostle Paul here in verse 23 begins, he wants to make sure that the people realize that this isn't his word. This is God's instruction. 
It wasn't just something. It wasn't just a tradition. It wasn't just something that you're to go through the actions. It has a much deeper meaning than that. And, and when we, as we come in the first point of our sermon that we'll preach this morning, the word of explanation goes something like this. This is the Lord's table. We proclaim that. In fact, if you really want three points, I'll give you three other points, because the message we speak as we come to the table, the first part of that message is that we evangelistically proclaim, preach. We're telling, we're literally telling the world that we're inviting them to come and experience the forgiveness that is afforded by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ through His death, burial, and resurrection. And by simply believing and trusting in Him and Him alone, we are promised eternal life. And this is the testimony John writes in 1 John 5 and verse 11, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I've written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life and that you will continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Evangelistically, we proclaim the fact that in Christ, in Christ alone is eternal life. And these elements are here to remember what Jesus Christ went through for us. Not only do we proclaim evangelistically, but we also proclaim triumphantly. And we proclaim triumphantly because it's to the demonic realm itself saying, Jesus Christ has risen. And we trust in Him and Him alone. I, the Lord has given me an idea of, an, of a different sermon. Not today, but sometime. I'm going to preach on the greatest secret in the whole world. The Apostle Paul tells us that if Satan in the demonic realm would have known the outcome of Christ's sacrifice, they would have never gone through with it. That's the greatest secret of all time. That even the demonic realm had no idea why Jesus was here. But we proclaim it triumphantly. Our Savior is risen. And these elements remind us of all that He went through to provide for us eternal life. Evangelistically, triumphantly, but gloriously, we preach. We preach to one another, recognizing anew the victory that we have over sin. That we can walk in newness of life. And so when we come to this table, 
And the word of explanation focuses on one thing and one thing only. The finished work of Jesus Christ. But in verse 24 and 25, there's a word of exaltation. And it says again, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The exaltation factor of this particular Lord's table is the fact that Jesus Christ willingly gave so that we could live. And because of that, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Rome, says, Therefore, present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's the least we can do. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ because of His broken body for us, because of His shed blood for us. He satisfied all the requirements of God to provide a way or the way of salvation. And we exalt the name of Jesus Christ when we come to the table, when we proclaim, when we preach the message. The third point is, of your sermon is this. A word of expectation. In verse 26, For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. I want to ask you a very serious question. Are you expecting Jesus Christ to come? You can react by saying amen if you wish, but uh, are you expecting Jesus Christ to come? I'd like for him to come before I get through with this sermon, brother. Amen? I can't imagine what that day is going to be like. I read in the Scriptures of some of the happenings of that day. But I just kind of wonder, what kind of day is it going to be? Is it going to be at nighttime? Will it be in the morning? Afternoon? Early evening? Sometimes I begin to wonder... What or how will Jesus find me when He comes? When we come to this table, we are sharing a word of expectation. The neat thing about these elements here is that these elements won't be there. 
There's no need for these elements here to be present there. Because the one who's the, whom these elements represent is there waiting for us. Oh, we're going to have another feast. We're going to have another time of celebration. But here this morning, we have a word of expectation that we can celebrate that Jesus is coming again. And Jesus says, do this often because then you proclaim my death until I come. And lastly, this is the difficult one. A word of examination. Verse 27 and 28 clearly states that there are some things that we need to do before we can preach our sermon. We need to examine ourselves. And, and the Scriptures, I believe, are very clear that there are exceptions to being able to take of these elements. The one exception is this. Is that without placing your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone for your only hope of eternal life, these elements have no meaning for you. If you haven't trusted Christ, I, I beg of you not to take of these elements. These elements are not to be taken lightly. Because even later on in the passage of 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says, if you come in a wrong manner, it can have dire consequences. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, some of you are sick. And some of you even have died. This is serious business. It's a seriousness that we dare not overlook. And so, if if you've not trusted Christ, I, I just beg of you, this is between you and God, but if you've not trusted Christ, I ask you, don't take of these elements because they have no meaning for you. But if you have trusted Christ, then it's wide open. Come to the table. But don't come in an unworthy manner. These elements have nothing to do for your salvation. You don't get saved by taking a piece of a wafer or a drink of a cup. It doesn't happen. They're here for a remembrance of what Christ has done for us. But we can come to the table with certain things in our lives that ought not to be. We've made choices, and we may be even now in the midst of the consequences of those choices. And all Jesus is asking is 
Come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come to the table. I think some of the things that the Apostle Paul in his early chapters of this particular letter would comment upon what does it mean to come to the table in an unworthy manner is maybe the fact that there were strifes in the church. Schisms. The fishnet has been rendered useless. That's what schisms mean. Cloth has been frayed. It doesn't look so good. So the Apostle Paul would probably say, if, if there's fightings and strifes in amongst us, take care of that before you come to the table. We may have, as the Apostle Paul would say, may we, we, we have indulged ourselves in worldly things instead of indulging ourselves in spiritual things. And the Apostle Paul would say, Lose that. Don't come to the table with that. It's a time of examination. That's the fourth point, and sometimes that's the most difficult one. Because if we want to view ourselves in light of other individuals, we, we stand pretty good. But how do we view ourselves in the light of what Jesus says? So this morning, as the men get prepared to come and to serve the elements, I'm going to ask us to take a few moments. A moment to examine ourselves in order that we come to the table in a manner that is worthy of the name of Jesus Christ. Let's just take a few moments in silent prayer, please. Jesus, these elements that stand before us, the wafer that has been broken, the juice that has been poured out, are all for us to remember. You, you tell us, you've told your disciples and the Apostle Paul has reiterated it to this church in Corinth. And we're to do this in remembrance of you. And I pray, O oh God, that this morning that we would come in a worthy manner. First of all, knowing and understanding that in Christ, in Christ alone, is our forgiveness of sin. We have eternal life based upon the fact that we have the Son. And I thank You, Lord. And I pray also, Lord, that we would not come in a manner that would bring shame to Your name. That we would withhold from taking of these elements if we know of things that are in our lives that would 
not bode well with your word. You've given us opportunity to confess them to you. And Lord, if we have and gotten those things straightened out with you and with other people, then we can come to the table. We want to preach from the table today, Lord. Proclaim a life that has been changed because of what you've done for us. I pray, Lord, as we come, that your name would be honored. And we would glory, O Lord, not in what we've done, but in what you've done for us. And we will rejoice and exalt your name. For you alone are worthy. So as this church, your people, come to the table, may you, O Lord, be well pleased. And we'll praise you in your name. Amen.